0: You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 51.
1: She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women.
0: Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. It's Dr. Kieran, welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm glad that you decided to invest your time and attention in yourself by learning information that will help you be healthier naturally and live a better life. Today I have a special guest who's going to talk about fertility and hormones. If you've had difficulty achieving pregnancy and getting pregnant, maybe it's happening for you now then this is the fertility expert that you want to listen to. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Mark Slar is a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine with advanced training from the Mind Body Medical Institute at Harvard Medical School. Known as the Fertility Expert, he helps couples having difficulty achieve pregnancy. In addition, he helps both men and women with hormone difficulties achieve balance. Dr. Sklar is the author of The Secret of Conception and hosts a popular weekly informational series called Fertility TV, that brings information and hope to fertility seekers worldwide. Welcome, Dr. Mark Sklar. Welcome, Mark.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. How are you?
0: Wonderful, wonderful. I know everyone's excited to hear from the fertility expert about getting pregnant because infertility is increasing and the age at which in women are experiencing or couples are experiencing infertility is decreasing. So it, aren't we really almost at epidemic proportions for infertility?
1: You know, that, that's certainly one way of of looking at it. I'd like to think, you know, in recent years that we've made Quite some headway when it comes to um, you know having more information and uh, creating more awareness for couples uh, who are starting to think about growing families to hopefully start to take action and be more proactive a little bit sooner than later instead of always delaying things. But certainly from a um, age time perspective and with the numbers that we're seeing um, in in recent um, recent research you could use the term epidemic that this is really a big a big issue and one that we should absolutely take seriously i think we often think that getting pregnant is going to be easy peasy um and it can happen whenever we like um but we're we're certainly seeing more and more each uh each month or day whatever time frame you'd like to put on it is that it is becoming more difficult and more challenging for, for couples uh, for a varied of reasons. Um, so not something for us to really take lightly um, you know, as we start to uh, have relationships and, and um, continue to, to have the, or want to have the families that, that we desire.
0: So, what? Let's talk some numbers. What is the incidence of infertility in America right now, so that people listening can kind of get an idea about um, the risk factors?
1: Yeah, it, you know, the numbers, depending on some of the research you read, is going to be a little bit different. But I think at best, it's one in eight. And we're seeing those numbers just go down, not go up. And some of the recent research has shown, you know, one in six, one in five. So, it's definitely a very high incidence, Um, and something that it, you know, people ask me all the time: has has the number of um, infertility or the case of infertility increased over the years? And you know, it's, it's a tricky question. I would say right now, my answer used to be different. I think right now the answer is yes, it absolutely has gone up. I think there's also a balance between how much we're comfortable talking about it um, and discussing it. So this has become something that couples and women have been um, more comfortable in, in the last five to ten years being able to discuss. So I think we're, in some ways we see a higher incidence of, of reporting than we used to in the past. But certainly with, uh, with all the chemicals in the world trying to get pregnant later in life, the higher incidence of uh, fertility issues is definitely on the rise.
0: Okay, and so is that lifetime risk you're saying right now, one in eight women, and is that for women?
1: Yes. Um, m- unfortunately, most statistics do show it as a um, when they give you those numbers is towards women. Um, I often look at it in in terms of men because obviously they uh, they play a big role in this process and can't be ignored. Um, but yes, it is it is lifetime.
0: Okay, all right, so it is a big issue and um, the age at which we women are having babies, certainly we are delaying childbirth with careers and such, and so that can be a factor. But um, let's talk about what some of the other factors are. You mentioned some as you were discussing there, the incidents, uh, and I think that environmental issues have a lot to do with this.
1: Absolutely. Environmental issues are certainly on the rise. Um, I'd also like to think our awareness of environmental issues and uh, chemical toxins is also increasing. Um, so hopefully we can start to be uh, a little bit more proactive in how we address those things um, now. But um, I, right now, I think that's probably the biggest single cause of the issues that we're seeing in infertility now because it has such a profound and widespread mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, concern. Not just it's not something that just affects women. It affects men. It's not just something that affects our lives currently, but it's going to affect the um, epigenetics in terms of the children we're creating and so on. So it really has this really profound effect, and it's a huge endocrine disruptor uh, for for most of us.
0: Right. And so for everybody listening, what we're talking about are chemicals in the environment that come into our body through different routes it could come through our skin it could come through our respiratory system we could um inhale it and breathe it in and then also through our gastrointestinal system so we consume it and this could be anything from pesticides and hormones in the food we eat to um Petroleum-based byproducts, for instance, lead from the leaded gasoline that we had for so many years in this country, that lead is now in our environment. It doesn't go anywhere. I think that sometimes we humans think that when we put it in the trash and it goes to the dump that it's it's off our planet, but the truth is that it's still in our environment, so The lead from all the lead-containing gasoline that we had for so many years is in our soil, it's in our water, it's in our air, and it's also in our bodies. We're talking about uh, chemicals used in our cleaning products in our home, our furnishings, our construction, our clothing, our toiletries, our makeup. It's everywhere. So we're inundated with these chemicals, 85,000 of them since 1950s and the average person has traces of 400 toxic chemicals in his or her body so what dr spar is talking about is that these chemicals in our body act as endocrine disruptors they disrupt our hormones and they make getting pregnant difficult so we want to get pregnant because we want to have a baby uh, to love and be a part of our family and yet our body is blocked from doing that in many ways. So what are some of the chemicals that are a big issue for people, particularly when it comes to fertility?
1: Yeah, you you know, um, the uh, BPA is a big one. um, And everyone has been saying, oh, well, you know, that we've taken care of that. It's no longer um, uh, most companies aren't using that anymore. But they're replacing that with other chemicals. Um, the bigger thing that I really try to instill in patients and those those who who follow me or ask me for advice is really to look at getting away from all plastics overall. You know, whether it's something that you house your water in, something that you house your food in, um, the exposure to plastics is definitely causing um, disruption on our endocrine system as a whole and uh, we saw there was an article I think it was published now uh, two months ago or three months ago in terms of the effects on male fertility male sperm count and that we've continued to see these numbers go down over centuries and um, there were many reasons for it that were proposed in the article but one of those was very much um, our exposure to plastics Um, and so whether it's BPA or um, any other chemicals that are are we're exposed to within the pl- um, within the formation of plastics? That's definitely a big concern for us moving forward. So glass um, is is a much better option. Obviously, that's not always an option for us. Um, and so you know, stainless steel would be the the next um, the next option for us in terms of housing something in. Um, the these chemicals. And, and that's just something that we, we come in contact with. I think the bigger thing is that those, those things we can't see or we don't really know, right? Um, just walking on the streets right now, everything that we're surrounded by, and I don't mean to scare anybody by this, you know, or make us all feel like we need to live in a bubble, but, you know, we're breathing in tons of chemicals, whether it's from the uh, petroleum, um, from other um, off-gassing that we're exposed to that new car smell that everyone seems to like, or you know the smells that from off-gassing from all the uh, new furniture, um, the fire retardants that are put onto um, um, furniture, especially in California. You know, so these are all things that are are concerns for us. We don't think much of them because at some point we become used to the odor, right? We we don't smell it as much as we used to because our olfactory senses have become accustomed to them, and so we think that they're gone, but they're really there. And so how do we, you know, what do we do? We still have to buy cars. We still have to buy furniture. What do we do about these things? And so it's about trying to support our body's own detoxification process so that it doesn't, um, so those toxins don't um, overcome us or, or uh, impact our body or the impact on our body is as minimal as possible. It's also when we're um, buying furniture, one of the suggestions that I often give to patients is, well, buy it and, you know, see if they'll just keep it open in their warehouse for a period of time or, you know, see if there's a place that you don't have to be around it um, to continue to have that exposure, but it can, it can, vent it can do what it needs to do in terms of releasing those toxins and the longer you can do that the better at some point you obviously want to use whatever it is that you purchased. it's not something you want to continually just buy and let sit there without using but i think there's a a series of of steps that we can take to support our body and uh support the um the environment that we live in as much as we can and then obviously trying to find those things that don't have those chemicals in them you know to begin with which would uh, always be an option um, but is becoming harder and harder
0: right and so uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that just because you don't can't see hear smell taste touch Mm -hmm. these chemicals they are in your environment and they are entering you but like you said we do go nose blind to a lot of these petroleum based products but bisphenol A is one plastic byproduct but phthalates also so there are lots of that. And so the first thing you want to look at uh, when you are trying to see what are these chemicals in my environment and how do I stop them from affecting my health is, number one, you want to stop them, like you said, from getting in. Uh, and then the next part is you want to get the, whatever's inside, outside. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I've become very sensitized to environmental toxins. And it, it's, now I've had to become an expert in where these toxins are and really all materials will off gas for a period of time Mm -hmm. and construction, new construction will off gas generally for up to 24 months, cars also. So the number of toxicants in a brand new car, the list is endless. And (laughs) So if you love that new car smell, really you need to get over it. And so one thing that I do is I buy old.
1: I I was just about to say, yeah
0: car and construction it's got to be at least two years old and furnishings if I have to buy new I will have them sit outside or in a garage or something for a good six to 12 months but I prefer to buy everything used because then all those toxins are are gone
1: it's already in the environment it's already been exposed yeah
0: right and 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 a lot of fertility issues are caused by these toxicants coming in the body and blocking Hmm. Our hormonal system, so it can't communicate properly. So, talk about what your approach is. You you talk about the twelve areas you need to review to know what's stopping you from achieving pregnancy. So, talk about those twelve areas.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of them is de- is toxins, um, and and um, so we kind of already at least touched on it superficially, but a we have to look at all the different areas, and I like to have patients score themselves zero through five in each one of these categories. What this allows you to do as we start to go through these categories, and I'll list them all in just a moment, and then we can pick some to talk about if we're able to get through all of them or whatnot, but basically it allows you to not focus on the things you're doing well in. We often tend to continue to focus on the things that we do well because it's easier for us. And we tend not to focus on the things that are a little bit more difficult or challenging for us. And so what this does is open your eyes to the places where you're doing well and open your eyes to the places that need more to attention and support. So hopefully you can put your energies and resources into those areas to make everything more balanced in terms of your approach towards your your overall health and your fertility. So diet is something that I is at the top of my list. Stress, exercise, hormones, meaning how are your hormones doing, do you know enough about your hormones um, to to answer that question properly as well? Your environment, which I separate from toxins because those have different effects and can be influencing our bodies in different ways. Your digestive system, your, uh, your mind or mental status, that mind-body connection, are there any structural issues that are affecting you? Um, autoimmune issues, which are a big concern now, especially as we talk about uh, environmental toxins, autoimmune issues um, become more prevalent. Um, infl- inflammation, the inflammatory response, again, can be tied into environmental toxins or toxins overall, but come on for other reasons as well. And then sleep. So those are those those twelve areas. They can be broken down into um, different categories or into more detail. But I like to initially keep it simple for patients um, and keep it something that they can understand and attach to in terms of those twelve areas as they start to judge and guide um, their decisions moving forward in terms of where to spend their attention.
0: Okay. And so when somebody comes to you and they've been trying to get pregnancy for two or three years without success, what, what is your approach? How, how do you usually start working with somebody?
1: So uh, obviously, you know, we got to, we have to get a good history, um, get a good understanding for what they've been through, what's brought them to this point in time, Mm -hmm. Uh, what they've uh, looked at um, and what testing has been done. The, there's two key factors that I think are big that are often overlooked. One is not just in the time frame. So when I want a history, not just in the time frame from when you decided to start to have a child to now, right? Because that just might be these last two or three years, as you mentioned. But tell me about your life before. What happened when you were a teenager Tell me about your menstrual history, your reproductive history for men any traumas. Um, I want to get a good understanding for where things have been because that's often missed um, in a workup. The other area that I want to get a good grasp on is blood work because although um, 98% of the patients that I speak to tell me that they've had all the necessary lab work done and it all looks normal... Those are very vague answers to the question and often that's not necessarily the case. They either have had all the blood work they've been told they need to have, but that doesn't mean they've had all necessary testing, or they've been told things are normal and haven't looked deeper to see if that's really the case. But when we look at things from a more functional perspective, with um, a different perspective, a different lens, then we might see things a little bit differently um, in terms of if they're, all their hormones are normal or not. And so those are the two key areas that I do want to look at a little bit more so when I start to um, take a history from patients. But obviously, all of these 12 are going to be important for me. I want to understand um, what is your environment like? What, Where do you live? Do you live on a farm? Do you live... You know, in a very dense urban area, all of those factors are going to play different. Um, are, are going to cause different paths for me as I start to investigate a patient's um, cause, the causes for a patient's reproductive issues.
0: Right, and and I also think it's important for everybody listening. We talked about incidents earlier, one in eight, which is really women or couples. But I think that a lot of people do, don't they present to you females saying, I have infertility, and a lot of times, or fifty over 50% of the time, it's actually a male problem, but we women assume that it's us. Yes. And I have, When I practiced office-based OB-GYN, I would ask women to get their partners to do a semen analysis, and it was amazing how difficult it was for them to agree to that, because they <laughs> I don't have a problem. It's almost de facto, no, it's a female problem. Um, And so that's probably one of the first things that that you would have to deal with, I would think.
1: Absolutely. And so that's part of looking at to their lab work because when I ask patients, what have you had done? And 70% don't mention a semen analysis, but they've been trying for anything over a year. And in my mind, it should be done sooner. But even if we just give them the benefit of the doubt and say at least a year, semen analysis is very often overlooked for a lot of the reasons you just meant. Uh, you know, there's the ego that gets in the way, the machismo. No, my sperm are just fine. I've got super sperm. Well, let's prove it. Let's see. Um, How <laughs> about super sperm? Yeah. And, and look, I often joke with women, for all the things that you have to do in your testing to get answers for potential issues to your fertility, a man has to have an orgasm to give his sample. Right, For us to get some answers, that's the worst thing we're asking him to do. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, let's be serious. It could be much worse, right? You know, It's not an HSG. We're, we're not asking for surgery. There right. is some enjoyment that actually happens in the process right. of giving a sample. It's not terrible. Let's get over it. Yeah, is it awkward or uncomfortable to be trying to aim into a little cup or doing it in somebody's office? Sure, but it's not the end of the world right and it does account for 45 to 50 percent of the issues so it absolutely can't be ignored um and as i was telling some colleagues i was at a conference this weekend i was telling colleagues you know i've been seeing a, a higher rise in my male patients which is not normally the case normally you, um The male patients in our office, are uh, the percentage is very small because they don't want to come in for care, as you mentioned, or for treatment or um, even um, to, to see if there's anything wrong. But I've seen a higher incidence of it in the last year, and it's made a tremendous difference in getting the results that we're looking for without having to move towards insemination or IVF. So if that's not motivation in and of itself for all of you who don't want to do IUIs or IVF, um, I'm not sure what, what would be.
0: Right. And, and so semen analysis is, is key and one of the first things. And, yeah. and I, I do want to just highlight what you said that a lot of times when you've been to your regular doctor and you've had blood work done and you've been told it's quote unquote normal, Mm, doesn't mean it's optimal. and doesn't mean it'll get you pregnant. And so yeah. you need to have the right lab work done and read the right way. And when we do a functional approach, we're looking for those root causes. So mainstream medicine is not necessarily going to pick those up. Correct. I think that's key also is uh, to really get, get expert help on someone who specializes in this and so that's an interesting question because you're a doctor of oriental medicine as well as acupuncture and i know you've done work at the mind body institute at harvard but how did you decide to specialize in fertility
1: it's something that somewhat just happened um Uh over time Um, but i saw a real need right you know when when we're working with a lot of our patients um especially and I'm tying this back into what you just said about the blood work and the lab work and hormone testing that you just mentioned, that often it's, it's considered normal, but it's not optimal. When I started working with patients and noticing that their REIs, their reproductive endocrinologists and fertility doctors, weren't ordering some of the labs that I thought should be necessary, or they were saying that things looked okay, but they didn't look okay in terms of my mind i really saw a huge need for the public here and just because your fertility doctor your ivf doctor to be clear is saying that everything looks okay or we ran all the labs it's still very subjective you know if your ivf doctor is just looking to make sure that you are healthy enough and and qualified enough to go through an ivf cycle and yield good results. That's all they're checking for is a minimal amount of testing to make sure that they feel like you can be successful in an IVF cycle. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not really looking at the root cause, as you mentioned. It's not trying to get answers so that you don't have to go through IVF. Mm -hmm. And and certainly, IVF is amazing in its own right and serves a purpose for those who need it. But I truly believe that 70 to 80% of the couples that go through IVF don't need to be going through IVF if they would put in the time to look for true causes and then put in the effort to make the necessary changes to yield the results that we're looking for. Now, I don't fault anyone for going through IVF because if you've already put in three years, four years by the time you come to see me and then I say to you, I need at least six more months, it's hard for someone to do, right? Because they wanted a child... Four years ago. They wanted to be pregnant four years ago. So that in their mind, they've already waited. And so waiting some more is not an easy thing to do. But at the very least, we can prepare our bodies to be more receptive to the IVF process, um, even if you have to go through it. Maybe that means you, you're able to use less medication. You produce more follicles and more eggs, and you've got better quality embryos. Whatever that is, I think some sort of preparation, even if you can't give the full amount of time, is only going to benefit you even if you do continue to go through that route.
0: Right. And I really think that infertility treatment is where functional medicine shines more than a lot of areas because, and I try to help people understand this, that Your body, when it's going to get pregnant and when it's going to achieve pregnancy, really wants to make sure that ontologically you're going to be around to first birth a healthy child and then take care of it until it's 18 and can be independent. And so the fact that you are not getting pregnant is actually oftentimes nature's way of protecting itself from one, making an unhealthy child, and two, from making a child when it doesn't think that you're healthy enough to be around and take care of it for 18 years. And if you look at it that way and you really take a functional medicine approach, you're treating the root causes of, and if most people who have infertility admit it and they're honest, they're gonna say, well, you say, do you have any health problems? No, they'll say I'm healthy. But if you really start digging under the surface Oh, maybe I do have some difficulty sleeping. Oh, maybe I've been more tired than I usually am. Oh, maybe I do have some irritable bowel symptoms a few times a month. Don't you find that usually there are other symptoms that are going on and all of these point to major problems with hormonal balance, toxicity, nutritional deficiency, all of these. And so functional medicine really affords us the opportunity to peel back the layers and see what's causing it because really like IVF and these fertility technologies are just overriding the system and going no damn it you're going to get pregnant <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just overdriving the body but you're ignoring the fact that the body was telling you I'm not necessarily up to making a healthy baby and taking care of it for 18 years. And so, you know, I worry about the consequences of that. And I get what you're saying that people say, well, we've already been at it for three and four years, but it's sad because they've been at the technologies and they haven't been about addressing the root cause of their health issues in general. because if they were working with someone like you from the beginning, they probably would have had those issues corrected. And I know I get on my soapbox, but it's so true. So I think that infertility is really a place where functional can shine and added to acupuncture. whoa, I, I just think it's phenomenal because you're working on that energetic body while you're also working on the physical body. And so to me, you kind of have the complete package of what needs to happen for fertility issues to be addressed, if I do say so myself.
1: <laughs> I think you said it beautifully. <laughs> um, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole or even better, the hamster wheel of fertility treatments because once you're in it, it's hard to break the cycle right you're going and you're going and you're going but the reality is is if you can do exactly what you're saying and take a step back from the beginning and say oh it's taken six it's taken 12 months and we ha- we're not pregnant why is this really going on right right and and look introspectively to see if you could find answers and then when you do end up going to your OBGYN or your or your IVF clinic if they're not really interested in looking at those root causes for answers then I think it's it's on us to take a step back and say well something's got to be wrong or because we should be able to reproduce so if it's not happening why is that happening now I'm it's it's different at certain age brackets it certainly becomes harder at certain times in our lives as we get older Um, And we do have to look at that. But overall, you know, it's important for us to take that step back and look at the bigger picture because it not only affects your health today, but you want to be around, just like you said, to watch your children grow because it's a beautiful thing to watch them grow. And you want to be healthy to do that. So it will improve our health so that we can live longer lives to watch them grow. What you do now will also improve your child's health so that they can have healthier lives and hopefully produce and have an easier time having children and produce healthy children, grandchildren for you as well. So this has really profound effects if you can do that, just as you're saying, and look at the root cause and make those necessary changes. It really does have generational effects moving forward.
0: Right, it does. And uh, the, the 12 parameters that you outline that you work with people are exactly the same parameters that we generalist functional medicine doctors look at because they're all the key factors that go into creating optimal health for an individual. And so I really love that uh, the time of fertility or rather lack thereof is a time to step back and say, wait a minute, something's going Wrong on that's wrong here in terms of imbalances at a root cause level, and so I would love it to see more REI doctors incorporate functional evaluation as a part of their programs. I mean, if there probably are nutrient deficiencies that are going on too. It's not just folic acid, folks. right? Right? We're all about oh, omegas and folic acid, but it's so much more than that. And 70% of Americans have nutritional deficiencies, oh, yeah, and it contributes to fertility. And so just if you think about it, if you're having trouble getting pregnant, you have nutritional deficiencies, and they're not corrected, which regular REI doctors are not correcting them, and then you get pregnant, that baby is going through nine months of having an inadequate nutritional environment. Yep. and what does that do to its cognitive functioning? What does it do to its its development? Um and so they're they're already starting off life uh at a deficit. Um and so I I really I look forward to the day when we have integrated functional and traditional methods so that we have more holistic type of treatment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah you you and me both often when we get those patients who we've got uh, you know a handful of local REI's here and they do refer to us for those specific needs but usually after repeated failures. So if that's the case that means someone has either gone through 3 plus failed IUI's and usually what it really means when they refer to us is that they've gone through multiple failed IVF's. So that's a not just a huge emotional toll it's a huge financial toll it's a physical toll because now you've bombarded your body with all those hormones and so yes they served a purpose but they also have a consequence right so it's just this now in many ways when when we see patients in those situations it's we've got more work to do right because we have to deal with those layers as well
0: Right, yes, definitely. So getting treatment that's more holistic and functional, foundational-based at the beginning is probably a better idea. Absolutely. So let's talk about something that's very important for health overall. You mentioned sleep as part of your 12 parameters. So how do you help people with that?
1: Well, the first thing is I think we take for granted, and not just in sleep, I think it's for many things because you mentioned you know someone comes in and says that they're healthy and then when you start digging deeper they're like oh yeah well i don't sleep that well right we get used to how crappy we feel yeah and then that's our baseline for normal and for what is good but i think we also we forget how good we can feel and how how healthy we should be because we're so used to living Or in this case, because we're talking about sleep, sleeping terribly, that we just think that's the norm. Four hours a night and it's a little rocky is that's just what I do, right? So we're accepting of it as opposed to um, really want to make changes and and look beyond it. But absolutely, if we're not getting healthy sleep and enough sleep, quality sleep, it's going to have an effect on everything else. Our energy level is going to feel terrible. Then that feeds into our diet because then we need stimulants to keep going during the day. Um, Maybe that ruins your exercise habits because you're too tired. You're like, oh, I don't really want to go out and take a walk or go Mm -hmm. exercise, right? So it has this trickle effect, and I think we minimize sleep dramatically and the importance of sleep dramatically. I I shoot for all of my patients to have a minimum of seven hours of sleep, preferably more, preferably eight, Um, but um, I I do look for for seven, and our ways of, and and one of the ways, one of the things that I find is a big issue when it comes to sleep is our exposure to screens, as you and I are talking through a screen right now, but through screens, (laughs) you know, Um, at night, whether we're just searching the web just to veg out, um, we're catching up on our latest TV episode because everyone needs to be caught up with Game of Thrones, you know, whatever it might be, we're doing this usually in the evening time, so then we stay up later, and then it's harder to go to sleep, one, because we've missed our window of where our body would normally go to sleep, but also our brain is so stimulated because we've been looking and reading online um, or watching the these shows that we that we love and so it's much harder for it to shut off and then we need more support to go to sleep. So sleep is huge it's one of the factors um, that we we look at because this is where our body rests rejuvenates, recovers, restores this is where your adrenal glands, can start to get a little bit of, of support and rejuvenation, and that has its effect on your hormones. And these, all these things, we think of these things in isolation, but our body, you know, we're, all these systems are connected, and they're going to affect all the other systems over time, especially if this is chronic um, and pervasive over time.
0: Right, and so you've got the the, the causative factors. If you're having difficulty sleeping, what's causing that? Usually there's some type of cortisol disturbance. Yeah. imbalance could be thyroid, sex hormones in there. Usually some of that, although toxicity can contribute to that Mm -hmm. as well, particularly if you're getting up to go to the bathroom several times a night. And then you've got the lack of sleep itself, and then you have the result of that. And so (laughs) it becomes that vicious feedback loop, and it's so key not only for fertility but general hormone balance which to me is foundational for good health and if you don't have because that's the communication system if their body's not communicating properly one part to another then everything just falls apart I mean think about it if you're listening when uh, communication falls apart in the company where you work or if you've got kids if there's no communication about who's taking care of the kids who's picking up the kids and when everything falls apart right Commun- communication there's a breakdown it's yeah. a breakdown and sleep is that restoring nourishing heavenly space that we there's no pill you can take to get the effects of sleep caffeine does not contrary to popular belief caffeine does not replace lack of sleep in terms of what your body sees. You may be able to jumpstart and juice up your energy with it, but your body still needs that restoration. And so it's, it's no surprise to me that that's one of the main areas that you focus on with people.
1: Yeah, and so when I run um, hormone testing, I often run an adrenal profile. I'm often testing melatonin levels because we're able to see a more complete picture that way. I can see your hormones. I can see what your adrenal rhythm is, your cortisol rhythm is doing. I can see what melatonin is. Melatonin, yes, it helps us with sleep, but it's also an antioxidant. Helps with Recent research has shown that it helps with egg quality. Um, There's so much more that melatonin does than just support our sleep, although we do, that's the big one. That's the one we talk about. Um, And so, yeah, when you're doing a, a more complete workup, with somebody, then you are looking at their adrenal profile. You are looking at their nutrient um, deficiencies. You are looking at their hormones, their thyroid, as you mentioned. Gut health for me is essential. Um, and if our if our digestive system isn't functioning properly, or if we eat really late, often we many of us just we want to eat very late before we go to bed. Then it's hard for our body to rest and recover and rejuvenate because it's focused on digesting. Right, so there's all of these things, as you mentioned, that um, that are important in managing overall health, but certainly when it comes to hormone uh, balance and fertility.
0: Yes, and so I love that you mentioned that melatonin is important for egg quality, and I think probably a lot of people listening ears perked up. That's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. What other factors go into improving egg quality in women?
1: Yeah, so obviously hormone balance is essential. We have to make sure that our estrogen and progesterone are working properly and they're balanced. Um, Often in this day and age, I don't see that to be the case. Um, I see a lot of progesterone deficiency, a lot of estrogen dominance. Those two can go hand in hand. Um, A lot of that can be caused by where we started in this conversation with toxins, um, disrupting the endocrine system. So when we were both discussing endocrine disruptors, that's one of the the key things that we see disrupted Mm -hmm. uh, is that balance between estrogen and progesterone. And so, you know, so that's definitely something that I see, Um, but um, oxidative stress and, um, you know, proper antioxidants that we're taking to restore uh, egg quality is a huge thing. Um, you know, our, we we don't often break things down enough that we understand that, oh yes, eggs are made up of cells. <laughs> we just typically just think, Oh, we have eggs or we have sperm, but how are those created? Well, they're created by cells. So if our, cellular, if our cellular health is poor or damaged in some way and the structure of the cells is deteriorating over time, then that's going to have its effect on everything else, including fertility, because these are the same cells that make up our sperm and our egg, right, that have to be joined. So we need to have, um, we need to see, What our oxidative stress levels are, what's impacting those levels, what's 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 causing those Mm -hmm. the the damage that we're seeing, and then how are we going to address that? Yes, there's all sorts of antioxidants we can take, um, but which ones are going to be better for us when it comes to supporting egg quality? And that was where one of the ones you know where melatonin comes in, Um, but we see that across the board, and and so you know another excellent antioxidant to take in situations like this, especially when we're talking about egg quality, is going to be pycnogenol. Um, it comes from pine bark, um, and that has shown some great research on um, improving egg quality and sperm quality for that matter.
0: Interesting. And then what about chaste tree, chased berry?
1: Yeah, Vitex.
0: vitex.
1: Um, you know, it's an amazing hormone, one where Um, Early on in practice, I didn't really enjoy using very much because I was a little leery about it, but the research is definitely there to support its use um, in regulating hormones. Um, A lot of issues that happen in the pituitary is where Vitex really um, plays a nice role in. Um, It can also help to support... um, progesterone production um, which is which is great especially for those of us who have um, progesterone deficiencies my bigger concern is you know when we mention things like this because I'm sure after someone hears this you know uh, they they go out running to go purchase these things is that just because I mention melatonin or pycnogenol or especially in this case Vitex doesn't mean that we all need it or should be on it and I and that's where we have to be careful you know we have more flexibility with something like pycnogenol because it's it's an antioxidant it can help in a lot of different ways I think if I often see women rush to take Vitex even if they don't know that they have a hormonal issue or they don't know what the problem is right. And so my key thing for everyone listening is if you have a regular healthy menstrual cycle, it's not the first thing that I would recommend going to get, right? We have to find the root cause. We're all looking for that magic pill. And trust me, if there was one, I would love for all of us to take it. But the reality is, is we all need to find out what that magic pill or pills are for each one of us. And that's why understanding the root cause of what's causing our issues is so valuable and so important because my underlying root issues are not the same as yours or anybody else's. And we have to understand what that is so that we have the right plan and the right magic pill for us. It's only a magic pill if it suits the underlying issues that um, are causing our problems. Otherwise, it can cause more damage than good, and we do need to be mindful of that.
0: Right. And that point is very well taken. I remember uh, several years ago when there was some information out on biotin helping with hair, everybody went out and was taking massive doses of biotin. But what nobody realized is that this, when you over supplement on biotin, you actually, which is a B vitamin, you cause deficiencies of the other B vitamins and you exacerbate them. And so you actually end up creating more problems. So point well taken, if you're listening, do not run out and buy pycnogenol, melatonin, these different things that we're talking about. What you really want to learn from this and hear us saying is you've got to identify the root causes, your unique root causes, and see what you need to be appropriately supplemented so that you can achieve optimal health in these areas and address your personal root causes. And Dr. Mark, we have covered so much material and there's so much more to talk about when it comes to infertility. Mm -hmm. I love that people can go to your fertility TV, they can sign up on your website for it or check it out on YouTube. And um, I'm gonna ask you to tell people how they can find out more. I know that you have a fertility exercise you'd like to share. Do you wanna share that with everyone?
1: Yeah, it's the, um, it's the fertility wheel, the, the 12 areas that, um, that uh, we were, we've talked about at different points during this conversation. It gives you uh, an understanding about each category and, and teaches you how to score zero to five in each one of those categories so that you can get your fertility score um, based on this wheel, and then understand the categories or areas that you need to spend your time focusing on to get more answers, and and hopefully, you know better treatment in um, in those those areas. So it's called my fertility wheel.
0: And we'll have a link in the show notes for everybody listening so they can go there. And I'd love it if you could share with everyone your top three take action tips from today. If maybe you're listening and you're having trouble getting pregnant and you're not really sure where to go, maybe you have a reproductive endocrinologist you're working with, but maybe you're thinking there might be some holes or maybe you have a loved one, a family member who's struggling with this. What would be your top three take action tips?
1: The first one um, which I uh, hopefully we've stressed in, uh, today in the, co- in the conversation is we want to get root cause answers. We want to understand why you're having the struggles that you're having because I believe there is a cause, there is a reason why, and we need to find it. So my first one is really take action to find the root issue as to why you're having the struggles when it comes to your fertility that you're having. My second um, suggestion for everybody is um, make sure the other half is tested. (laughs) Make make sure that it's not just all focused on you. Um, It takes two to tango, and we need to make sure that both partners in this process um, have been looked at, and we have the right answers and understand what's going on on both sides of the coin.
0: right. Awesome.
1: Was that, that was two. That was two. And then, uh, <laughs> and then number three, um, we started here when it comes to toxins, but start to take a look at the world around you, the world you live in, your work environment, your home environment, um, the the environment out right outside your home. Look with different eyes, put on a new pair of glasses and say, what can I clean up? in my environment that can improve my health and my fertility new cleaning products new skincare care products um, you know new drinking containers whatever it might be um, start to to look at what that is and if you don't know what it might be or you don't know if this is causing issues add it to the list and start to get answers for those is this a problem or not right mm-hmm. knowledge in this situation is going to be your your real friend and so We have to get that knowledge by asking the right questions. So if you don't know, ask the question, look at your environment, put it down and start to get those answers for that.
0: Right. Great. So those are wonderful take action steps. So if you're listening, What could you do today? Oftentimes, getting rid of the toxins in your environment is very simple to do, so maybe start with that. That was number one that Dr. Mark shared with us, and so the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health, Mark. I would love it if you could share with everyone what that means to you.
1: To me, it means empowerment through knowledge, that we're gaining knowledge that we didn't have before to empower our life, our health, and in this case, our fertility, to make different choices to get the answers that we need and hopefully the results that we're seeking.
0: Great. I love that. Empowerment. And that's what this podcast is all about because you need knowledge, tools, and support in order to be empowered to create health that's going to support you in doing everything that you want to do in life, including having a baby. So thank you so much, Dr. Markslar, for joining us today, for sharing your expertise and your passion and your knowledge with us. It's very much appreciated.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you're inspired to take action on some new information you received today, a step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me, and remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.